everyone. My name is Dr. Laura Myers. I'm a pulmonary critical care physician at the Massachusetts General Hospital. Today I'm excited because we have a very special podcast for you to describe the programming events taking place at the American Thoracic Society's ATS annual meeting coming up in Dallas, Texas on May 17th to the 22nd. We're lucky to have Dr. Michelle Eakin joining us today. Dr. Eakin is an associate professor in the Division of Pulmonary Critical Care at Hopkins Medicine and also the 2019 Programming Chair of the Behavioral Science and Health Services Research Assembly, BSHSR of the ATS. Thank you, Dr. Eakin, for joining me today. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. So I'm really looking forward to this year's programming events um, that are sponsored by the BSHSR. Maybe you can tell us a little, as programming chair, you've been working really hard over the last year. Can you tell us what your vision was as the programming chair? Great. As the Behavioral Science and Health Services Research Programming Chair, I really seek to have a wide range of quality programming in the conference that highlights the work of our members of this assembly. Our assembly is unique in that we cross all the pillars of the ATS, including pulmonary, critical care, and sleep, and I want to make sure that we have conference programs that will match that diversity, and so we try to include great science that will appeal to all members of our assembly. That's awesome. Well, I guess first things first, um, the postgraduate courses will be taking place on that Friday and Saturday, so May 17th and 18th. Can you maybe start by describing those uh, postgraduate courses that you think might appeal to the BSHSR membership? Great. There's a number of great postgrad courses, but the one I want to highlight today is the one that's going to be primarily sponsored by BSHSR. It's going to be held on Friday, May 17th. Um, the name of the course is FundMe, which stands for Fundamentals of Writing a Successful Mentored Clinical Research Grant. Um, this uh, postgrad course was led by uh, Laura Feemster out of University of Washington, Valerie Press, and Renda Wiener. Um, from there, this is course is really focused on getting a better understanding of the grant review process for mentored clinical research grants. Um, it includes participation in a mock review section and interaction with faculty. We have a wide range of faculty um, who have A, been recipients of K-23 awards, B, served as mentors for these awards, or C, even served on the study sections for these, re for these awards. And so they, we also include reviewers and program officers from the NIH and other funding agencies that will participate in a panel, panel discussion. It really, I think, is a great session for anybody considering applying for a K-23 or some sort of other clinical research grant program award um, to discuss how you put together this grant. It is different than others. It's going to talk about the research strategy, your training plan, um, how to develop your mentoring team, and how to really put this forward by experts in the field to get the best chance of funding. That sounds fantastic. And it sounds like uh, fellows and early career professionals would really benefit from that session. Definitely. And, you know, you know, this is uh, great information for fellows that will be considering this in the future. It is never too early to start thinking about this. If you think uh, this type of an application is in your future, I would really encourage you to come. Um, we will also be talking about how to respond to reviewers if you've already started this process and had a review done, um, how to, you know, um, reapply if you haven't been successful in the past. I think this will be a great opportunity for all of those um, participants. Right. And I also know there's an assembly meeting for the BSHSR. When is that? And uh, what do you think will be covered? Who should be attending? Can you answer some of those questions? 
Of course, thank you. So the BSHSR assembly meeting is held on Sunday evening, uh, May 19th in the Hyatt Ballroom A-B through, uh, from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. Any member of the BSHSR is welcome. And we really especially uh, welcome fellows or early career people that are considering joining this assembly. Uh, this assembly meeting is, it includes time for networking. It's an opportunity to connect with um, other members of the assembly. Um, then there is usually a little bit of a business program where we go over what the assembly's been doing. We give out travel awards and scholarships. We highlight our um, other awards that will be that are going to be given out that night. And it's really a great chance to hear how you can be involved in the assembly. The one thing that's great about the BSHSR is it's a small assembly, and so there's a lot of opportunities to get involved in a number of the committees that are set up. You'll also hear about other initiatives that might be taking place. Put your name on some lists. I think we are really trying at this year for the assembly meeting to have an opportunity to really engage with um, committee leaders so that you can find a way to get involved. So if you have an interest, you want to hear what the assembly is about, or you want to get involved, this will be a great time to do it um, and meet these uh, leaders in person and have an opportunity to really have those conversations. In addition, we are a unique assembly that we open up our programming meeting um, to everyone. This is typically the programming committee for BSHSR comes. Um, this meeting is scheduled to be on Tuesday morning at 6.30 in the morning at the um, Hyatt Regency. But our um, programming meeting is open to anybody who would like to get up that early and show up. This is a chance to hear about what people are thinking about putting together for conference programming for the next year. Um, as you know, it feels like it's so quick in June, all of the proposals for symposium, postgrad courses, and everything are due at the end of June. So we take the opportunity at the programming meeting to talk about potential ideas. You can meet and engage with other collaborators. The best proposals that are, have a best chance of being programmed are ones that include a diverse range. You don't want to submit something that has all the faculty from your own institution. So this is a chance to hear what are people thinking are hot topics, get involved in other um, symposium proposals or other types of proposals and put your name out there and see if there's any opportunities. If you have an idea, come share that idea. You might be able to find other people that would be interested in partnering with you on that. And so again, that's Tuesday morning at 6.30 a.m. It is typically for the programming committee, but if you're interested in putting together something, I encourage everybody to come. Great. I know that, um, it, well, it sounds as though it's a great opportunity for collaboration even over the course of the academic year. I went to it last year and um, have subsequently gotten involved in the BSHSR more, and so I would encourage anyone uh, who's willing, um, uh, who, who's wanting to get involved more with the assembly. That's a great opportunity. Excellent. So now I guess we'll jump right into the uh, programming for the annual meeting. Can we start with the scientific symposia and can you explain a little bit about um, some of the exciting symposia that are uh, unique to the 2019 meeting? Great. So, um, so our scientific symposium are kind of our highlights of the conference and this year we have two that were primarily sponsored by the BSHSR um, and the first one is um, Addicting a new generation, juuling, vaping, heat not burn, flavorings, and the evidence for why we could be, we should be very concerned. Um, this symposium is really integrating both basic science, clinical, and translational research to discuss the harm of these new tobacco products that we're seeing emerging. Obviously, this is a really hot topic for the ATS as we're seeing new 
new data coming out almost weekly about these products. Mm -hmm. The use is skyrocketing, particularly among teenagers, and we think it's important that we get this information out to our ATS members and really highlighting the new data and research that's coming out on this topic. Um, and I think it will have a broad appeal to many ATS members. Um, the second one is called Migrant and Refugee Medicine, Implications for Pulmonary and Critical Care Medi uh, Physicians. Um, and this session is really going to highlight the unique health challenges faced by the special patient population. Again, we feel like this is a really timely topic with the uh, issues around migrants and refugees in our own political en and environment. As um, physicians and healthcare providers, we are seeing these patients in our clinics, are being asked to provide and make policies around them, and we want to provide some of the most up-to-date research on this um, very vulnerable patient population. Um, I think this really reflects the diversity of BSHSR that we have, that we're really able and flexible to present sort of the most upcoming topics, things that people are dealing with nowadays that are very current. And um, I'm excited for both of these sessions. I encourage everyone to come to those. Absolutely. Great. The migrant uh, and refugee medicine, is. It, I've never seen a program like that at the ATS, so that sounds like it's a really um, innovative uh, session and not to be missed for the BSHSR members. Yeah, I definitely think we have not seen this topic covered before at ATS. This was actually put forward by our Global Health Committee um, in partnership with BSHSR, and I think it reflects the growing interest in this population, the growing number of patient, uh, refugees that we're seeing um, in numerous countries, are, and as well as a need to provide data about this population. Um, we're hoping to include, I think there's going to be um, state health officials from uh, that we'll be talking about refugee medicine, and we'll also be talking about uh, pulmonary uh, diseases that are very common around these populations, mental health um, impact on their on their overall well-being. And so, I think we're going to see a, wonder, a wonderful array of topics related to this special population. So, we also, as a assembly, we have co-programmed two other scientific symposiums that were uh, put together by committees that we, BSHSR was directly involved in. The first one is improving care quality while reducing costs. It's um, a high-value care of COPD achievable. And the second one is critical care 2.0, integrating big data, clinical trials, and implementation science to create a learning ICU system. And I think both of these uh, reflect topics that are really important for uh, BSHSR uh, members, including cost, um, use of data, implementation science, um, and we'll really speak to many of our members who are engaged in this type of work. And then we have three committee-sponsored symposium that are um, were led by BSHSR. The first is from the Tobacco Action Committee, the state-of-the-art treatment for tobacco dependence. Um, second is building blocks of implementation, how to implement um, ICU evidence-based care from the Quality Improvement Committee. And then from education, hot topics of medical education, what's new in 2019. Um, and so I think, again, this is the breadth of topics that we will be covering on um, treatment for tobacco dependence, um, implementation science, and medical education. And there are a number of other symposium where BSHSR is a secondary sponsor, um, and I really encourage everybody to look at the conference agenda to identify those, top, those sessions as well. Great. And those are happening over the course of Sunday to Wednesday. Is that correct? Correct. All the programming will be occurring Sunday, from Sunday morning up to Wednesday afternoon. Um, and we have great sessions scheduled on all of the days. Great. And I think there are also some mini symposia. So what can we expect from, from those to, uh, this year? Wonderful. Thanks for asking. We have five different mini-symposium and several others that have been co-programmed with other assemblies. Um, we have 
uh, one session that was actually really a joint session that we put together with the Thoracic Oncology Assembly that is looking at disparities in lung cancer screening. Um, we also have one on specifically targeting um, obstructive lung diseases, uh, COPD and asthma, so it's innovation in obstructive lung diseases. These are really our highest rated um, abstracts. Um, most of them are clinical trial results related to asthma or COPD. Another session uh, focused on social determinants in pulmonary and critical care medicine, um, and then a paying for care in pulmonary diseases that's going to be looking at cost of medications, bundled payments, accountable care organizations, things like that that are really kind of newer topics that we're dealing with and how that might impact outcomes in pulmonary diseases. And then finally, one that's looking at patient-centered critical care, um, that's looking at options in critical care that is really looking at trying to engage the patient more. Um, so we're excited about all of those mini symposiums. In a couple of them, we've included featured speakers to really bring these topics together as an opportunity to really focus in more in depth on these um, high topics. But it's a broad range of topics, too, for the mini symposia. Great. And there's also a six poster discussion sessions. Can you talk about the format of those sessions and what they'll be about this year? Wonderful. So thanks. Yes. Yeah, so last year we piloted using the rapid poster discussion format. Most of the feedback we received was really positive, that people really enjoyed these session formats, allowing a little bit more uh, discussion of this posters and then a little bit more formatted discussion around these topic, around the poster topics. Um, so this year we are going to be using the rapid format again for all of our poster discussion sessions. Uh, for those that are not familiar with this, the way it works is that all of the attendees um, will present 90 seconds, one slide on their poster findings. These are supposed to just be a quick highlight of what you will find if you were to go find their poster. Then there, that will take about 45 minutes. Then there will be 45 minutes for poster viewing. So once you get the highlights, you kind of know where to go, and you can go and then talk to the authors directly about what their posters find. Any questions that you might have, we encourage you to follow up at during that time. And then we come back for a guided discussion on this. That will take the last 45 minutes or so. And this will be led by the moderators and really kind of highlighting what are the general themes, what are the next steps, how can we as a field take these results and integrate it into our care or into our research to move the field forward. Um, we hope that this will be an opportunity to really take the findings that we're finding in posters and apply it and move us forward and have a, a chance to really interact and discuss these as a group. Um, Overall, last, everybody really felt that this was a great format, allowing people a chance to talk about the research, but then as well as integrate it into the um, overall field of research and move things forward. Um, we really encourage for those that are attending or, as, or uh, just as members of the audience who participate in the discussion, we also really encourage all the authors who might be presenting in this format to um, submit their slides. They probably received those emails by now get that one slide to put together, practice their 90 seconds. We are telling our moderators to be vicious on the time, and so you will really only be held to that 90 second. You can always do less, uh, but you're not going to be able to do more. Um, and so that this can go smoothly as much as possible. And then again, we're always looking for feedback of how we can improve these poster sessions to make them more interactive and a better experience for everyone attending. Right. And I went to a few last year. They, they definitely were interactive uh, and really fun, um, a great place to meet some of the, uh, the authors and, and have a great discussion. That's great. I'm glad you had a good experience. We're hopeful that it will keep growing, and as we get more 
people understanding of how they work and, and engaged in them, I think it will be a great opportunity for authors to present their data and really develop a good discussion with um, everybody. Take advantage of the chance that we're all in the same room during this conference and can really talk and have great thought discussions about these issues. And um, highlighting what we're going to have, we have two sessions almost on every day, uh, poster discussion sessions. Um, on Sunday, we have a facilitating palliative and end-of-life care. Um, on Monday, we have critical illness management and outcomes and a disparities in asthma management. Tuesday, we have determinants of burnout and wellness among healthcare providers and innovations to improving care in obstructive lung disease. And then on Wednesday, we have real-world medication use in pulmonary diseases and optimizing outcomes in COPD. And so there's a broad range of topics there that are going to be discussed, um, as well as some new topics that we don't normally see, um, such as burnout and wellness. You'll see that that has uh, – we receive a number of abstracts on this topic, um, and we think that that will be a great poster discussion of a new hot topic that we're highlighting again within the BSHSR. Sounds very interesting. So, Dr. Egan, those are the uh, rapid poster discussions. And in addition to that, it sounds like there will be um, uh, traditional poster sessions. Can you tell us a little bit, a bit about those ones? Oh, sure. We definitely have um, 10 thematic poster sessions. These are held from uh, – the posters are up for the majority of the day, but the authors will be at the uh, posters from 12 to 1 p.m. on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, these sessions are going to really have a wide range of uh, topics that will be discussed, things from um, – basic science to clinical and implementation science. We have disease-specific like COPD and cystic fibrosis, but there are also subspecialty-specific like interventional pulmonary um, methods, uh, improving care, um, patient and caregiver outcomes. And so we really think that these are a great opportunity to see the new science that's coming out for uh, behavioral science. Absolutely. sounds like there's something for everyone at the poster session. I hope so. Great. Um, and I know I've used the um, ATS app in the past to really organize myself and um, understand the schedule of, that, of events. Will there be an app this year, and do you think that's the best way uh, to know what's going on? Yes, and thank you for asking. There will be an app this year, and as someone who has been going to ATS for many years, um, I will say that each year the app is getting better and better. <laughs> and the ATS is really invested in making this a, a better experience for everyone. So if you used it in the past and didn't have a good experience, I would try it again. Uh, the app is a great way for you to search for the session. You can search by topic, uh, author or presenter, um, assembly so you can find all of these sessions quickly. You can also see the sessions that we're co-sponsors for. Um, it will allow you to save sessions so you can kind of create your own itinerary uh, for the calendar and add it to your calendar. In addition, we're seeing that the app is being used in some sessions for interactive polling and so that you can actually engage with the uh, session um, if the authors have set that up, the presenters have set that up. So it's, it's got a lot of different opportunities um, to do it. ATS is really interested in um, making sure people have a good experience with it so they're open to feedback if you need to or if you have any to send their way, they would be interested in this. Um, in addition, I know in the past we've had difficulty using the app because of Wi-Fi. Um, ATS is invested in making sure that there's better Wi-Fi throughout the conference center so that the app should be easy to use without having to use all your data. And in addition, they would love for those that are Twitter users to um, tweet out things about the conference using the, their hashtag, which I think is 
hashtag ATF 2019, um, and really kind of make impressions that way in social media. They've invested in having Wi-Fi so that you're able to do that easily, um, and so I think it's an opportunity to share and discuss the conference ongoing through social media. Excellent. And we talked a little bit about what the early career professionals and fellows could focus on, such as the postgraduate courses and potentially the programming event. Is there a list of events or sessions that the early career professionals might be interested in? Yeah, so uh, the members in training and as well as the early career professional working groups have really tried to tailor and develop a roadmap for early career professionals, um, and that is available online. Um, it highlights the seminars and workshops that are geared towards this population, and in addition shows that there's a networking event on Saturday evening from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. at the Omni Hotel. Um, so I really would encourage everybody to check that out. In addition, there are a number of other ATS events that people might be interested in that are also highlighted in the agenda or in the app or as well online. Um, one of my favorites is the Women's Networking Lunch, um, and then there's also a Diversity Networking Lunch. Both of them are great. They usually have fabulous speakers, and it's a nice opportunity to have lunch with your colleagues around these topics. In addition, we have a couple of workshops that you should be interested in, and I wanted to highlight one specific workshop, again, put together with our section on medical education, and it's focusing on addressing burnout in clinical environments, and it's really geared towards helping people identify what might be factors impacting burnout in your own institution and developing a change plan to really bring together um, topics and ideas for change that you can bring back to your hospital to Im implement to hopefully address this growing problem and concern. Well, thank you very much for explaining all of this. I know it takes a lot of time and effort to prepare the conference every year. Is there anyone on your team that you want to acknowledge and thank? Of course. I first want to acknowledge and thank my co-chair, Mita Carolyn at uh, University of Pennsylvania. She will be taking up the reins next year, and I know we'll be a, do a great job. She will be leading the meeting Tuesday morning at 6.30 and will be the person you'll want to reach out to um, if you have questions for next year's conference in 2020. Um, in addition, we have a lot of great dedicated members of our programming committee that, per, that review all the abstracts and session proposals, provide fabulous feedback and influence, impact, and so we can always um, put together the best programming uh, together. And then as well as I always want to say a thank you, a special thank you to the ATS staff. They are so patient and they do so much work to pull this together. Um, it's not until you get onto this side that you see how much these dedicated staff do to put together this wonderful pro conference that we all come to appreciate it each year. Well, Dr. Egan, thank you so much for all your hard work this year and for giving us a sneak peek about this year's programming events. We hope to see you all in Dallas. Of course, I hope to see everybody in Dallas and, was, and um, are excited for the upcoming conference. Thanks again, Dr. Myers.